0: music
1: Welcome to this week's edition of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. we got a big show with a lot of details tonight, uh, but before we get into it, I do want to... Uh, encourage you guys to go to any of our pages you can find us on itunes uh, stitcher spotify google play anywhere you can get your podcasts Uh, if you go there and just uh, like our page leave a good review five star reviews with a question always get answered in our mailbag segment Uh, we would really appreciate that it really helps the show we'd also encourage you to listen to the other great shows on the orange 24 7 network that's the uh, flagship with taylor estes and chip brown And the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Uh, So before we get into tonight, Nick, how's it going?
0: It's going pretty good. Can't complain. It's been kind of a wild week, though. We have a lot to get into.
1: A ton. And um, I don't know if you watched the vice presidential debates that were on TV tonight. Um, We're recording this Wednesday night because i got to go out of town tomorrow, Thursday. But um, we won't get into the policy parts because that tends to make people angry on Twitter. But... (laughs) the fly that landed on Mike Pence's head is dominating Twitter.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a quality meme material for 2020. Um, I'm seeing both sides make jokes about it, so I think it's I think it's just all in good spirits right now.
1: I think it's all fair. Uh, Nick, before we jump in, too, um, let's get an update. How are we feeling with the heater down, what, 3-1? to one?
0: Oh, man, I don't even want to broach that topic. I, I feel like you felt about, um, I guess it was about a week or two weeks ago with the Stars, Um, But game four, we really had an opportunity to win and just couldn't hit shots until about the last five minutes. And I I think by then it was too late. And then the Lakers got on a torrid run, and now it's 3-1 all of a sudden. So, um, hey, I'm not saying it's over because there's a reason it's four games, but we're going to have to really pull pull a magic trick out of the bag for this one.
1: Well, we'll uh we'll thank the best for your heat unless there are any Laker Appreciate fans much. out there listening. <laughs> I you know me, I'm I'm anti Lebron, so and I guess <laughs> I should clarify that. I'm not really. The more I think about it, the more I should probably cut LeBron a break. I mean Dave Chappelle made a great point when he said that this guy came in with more expectations than anyone's ever had, and he's surpassed all of them. He's right. Um, I just, you know, as a Jordan baby, I hold on to Jordan. So That's the
0: first positive thing I've ever heard you say about LeBron. It's already a great show.
1: Well, the thing is, is like, you know, Chappelle was right. Like, he's a good dude. Like, he's never really done anything bad. My only complaint with him is I just think he's kind of a drama queen, but a fantastic athlete. Great dude. Seems like a great dad. So, um, you know, I, I'll probably try to lay off of him a little more. Uh, well, let's jump <laughs> right into the big news of the night that came down right before we recorded, and that is Billy Bowman making a decommitment from Texas. Um, I guess I, I can't state how big of a loss this is for Texas at the moment. I mean, Billy, outside of his teammate Jatavian Sanders, was the highest ranked uh, re- recruit in the class. Um, And really a guy that Texas was extremely excited about for the moment they got him to commit last summer. Um, You know, I've talked to a bunch of people, and I've talked to Billy a little bit even tonight, and... um, at this point, it sounds like Billy has kind of made the decision after for a year. I mean, we've asked him this question all the time. Billy, what do you want to play when you get to college? What, Obviously, he's, he's a great two-way star at Ryan, but what do you want to play or what do you think you're going to play? And it's always been, you know, wherever the coach wants me and, and I can play defense, I'm happy with that. And I think that's where Texas preferred him. But Billy made, made it clear that he kind of has decided he wants to play offense. Um, Texas made it clear that he would very much have that opportunity uh, with them. And um, I think he decided or, or, or indicated that um, he didn't feel that it was a good fit offensively for him. So um, he made the decision to decommit. Now, talking to him, it, it sounds like the Longhorns are still on the table. Uh, they're still keeping the lines of communication open. From what I know, he's still in the group chat with the rest of the commits. Um, which, you know, it, compared to when Jalen Milro decommitted and just exited the group chat without saying anything is, is somewhat more positive. But I think uh, really the school to watch here is Oklahoma. I mean, his girlfriend is a, a, a softball player there. Um, you know, he does have family in the Norman area. And um, when Oklahoma offered in the summer, that was uh, one of the only offers he ever you know, really tweeted after committing to Texas. So obviously um, there's a lot to watch there, but I don't know. I don't know what the plans are for Billy as of right now. I don't know if he's going to rush into another decision or if this is going to be something he kind of plays out over the rest of the fall. Um, It'll just be kind of interesting to watch from that angle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a this is a big blow to this 2021 class. There's no uh, light way to put it. Um, I mean, he's a kid that's bordering on that four to five star Uh, range. I think he's number 33 overall in the composite rankings right now, which Typically at the end of classes, there's 32 five-stars. Um, so he was bordering right on that edge, probably would have, uh, you know, surpassed into five-star uh, territory, probably still will, of course. Um, so this is definitely a big blow. Uh, the good news, the silver lining here, is it doesn't seem that there's any immediate threat that, you know, his teammate, Jatavian Sanders, will be following the same route. Um, so that's definitely a, a good news to think about. I, I think that was the first thing that a lot of people thought about whenever they saw Bowman committing, is like oh, no, could this cause a domino effect with Jatavian? And then once it goes from there, it could be, uh, it could be pretty bad. But um, thankfully, Sanders is gonna, it looks like he's going to stay on board. Uh, there's a little bit different ties to Texas with Sanders. And um, those ties with Oklahoma for Bowman, I, I think we're always kind of in the back of our minds. Um, and maybe that'll be what ends up uh, winning this recruitment at the end. Uh, I just couldn't see a school other than Oklahoma having the edge right now, uh, <laughs> especially with all their ties.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a little odd because Billy did. I mean, Billy, by all accounts, has grown up a Texas fan and, um, you know, has showed me stuff from when he was younger in, in Texas jerseys and writing, I just want to play Texas football and things like that. But, you know, I mean, the, things change for these kids as they go. I, You know, to me, I would still say Billy is one of the nicest kids we, we've, we've covered. He's always been really respectful and cool with us. I've got no reason to think anything bad should be said about him. Um, I think that, you know... I'm not sure that this is the reason for Billy D committing, but I know this week a lot of recruits, a lot of the commits in the class were called, and a lot of the negative recruiting started. And I can tell you it started from a bunch of schools that haven't started their seasons yet. Um, and I I know of one guy in particular that they called and basically said, hey, um, if Texas loses to Oklahoma, Herman's going to be fired, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're going to want to get out of there and get with us and, and things like that. And, um, you know, whether the future for Tom Herman be true or not, I think that there a lot of kids are facing this, this, uh, these things right now, and they're asking questions, and, and the best way for Texas to do something about it is go make a statement on the field on Saturday.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's a huge opportunity waiting on Saturday, and it's a pivotal point for both programs, I think, um, and if Texas can come out on the other side three and one, then I think that uh, bring some positive momentum back to the season and positive momentum back to the recruiting trail uh, because no matter what if they if they lose on Saturday they're unranked next week and uh, there's probably a chance that you know Oklahoma sneaks back in those late 20s as far as rankings so Um, And the the Big 12 championship possibilities are almost virtually out the door. So uh, definitely a huge game this Saturday on the recruiting trail as well, Uh, especially with a couple of guys um, still in battles between Texas and Oklahoma, you know, whether you want to point at guys like Bryce Foster or uh, anyone else that are considering both schools right now or even Bowman, Um, you know, if Bowman's keeping those lines of communication still open with Texas, then this is definitely still a big game for them. Um, So uh, proving it on the field at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday is going to be going to be a big statement for whoever comes out the winner.
1: Exactly, and I, I think um, also, you know, if you if you could put Oklahoma down to zero and three to start conference play, you effectively kill their chances to win the conference. And that's been the biggest, um, probably the biggest thing they've had in their corner for years is their their conference dominance. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all all this team has to do is respond. I, I realize that's a big ask based on the last few years, um, but you know, hopefully they're ready, and and hopefully they. Uh, They can go out and do it. Uh, The Texas could get some good news this weekend, though. I think – so Albert Regis, the the defensive tackle from LaPorte, uh, announced his intention to commit on Saturday. Coincidentally, I will be – that's where I'm going out of town was I had been scheduled to see uh, LaPorte and Port Arthur Memorial basically all year. Um, It was a chance to go see Regis in person while also getting to see Jordan Thomas and Jalen Gilbo. And so – I know a lot of people think that I'm just like the mastermind of this stuff. I assure you in no way is there any indication of me going to Laporte this week and and him suddenly announcing a commitment, meaning good things for Texas. However, I do think that as of right now, after checking around, um, Texas is in the driver's seat for this commitment. If they can get him, um, that's another talented body to add to the defensive line. I'm really interested to see him in person and and just kind of see what his skill set looks like and what his actual size is.
0: Yeah, I've heard good things from uh, friends that I have down in the Houston area and 24-7 reporters that we have down there as well. I've heard good things about Regis. Uh, I mean, right now he's a – kind of like a high tier three star, I believe uh, in the rankings. Um, so this is a kid still with a lot of room to grow, I think, and and not only his skill set, um, but also where he stands among other defensive linemen in the state of Texas. And uh, a big senior season can definitely give him that push. Um, but as far as his recruitment goes, yeah, I think Texas has kind of been in the driver's seat since he decommitted from Minnesota uh, earlier in the summer. I think AM has always been right there as well. Um, I think Baylor was there at one point, but it doesn't look like he's going to be uh, a take for Baylor just because they're full of defensive tackles. So um, if any other school comes through, I would imagine it be Texas A&M, but I, right now I really feel good about Texas's chances. Uh, I'm feeling good enough to probably put a crystal ball in in the next couple of days, just uh, depending on um, any more info that we get coming in.
1: Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. There's also a kid who's kind of been popping up in that area named Jalen Samuels uh, from Sam Rayburn, um, who's kind of started to, like, he's a senior basketball player who's playing football for the first time. I think he's listed, like, 6'8", as a defensive end. From what I've heard, he's probably really about 6'5", or 6'6", but I'm going to swing by. He's started to pick up a ton of offers in the last two days because his, his early film has been really good. Um I'm going to swing by right before I go to LaPorte and and see that kid and just check in with him as well. So um, should have a a good little trip down to uh, down to the coast. Um, That game was moved up. It was intentionally uh, originally going to be a Friday game and going to be my Friday game for this week. And then uh, the hurricane sitting in the Gulf caused them to move it up to Thursday. So. Uh, Unfortunately, Nick and I were going to tag team the Thursday game, but I'm going to be Nick's going to be rolling solo. um, We'll talk about that a little later. Uh, The the last thing we want to touch on is we reported earlier this week in a a story first reported by rivals and Adam Gourney. uh, uh, Damani Jackson, the five-star corner from modern day in in California, is going to start taking some visits on his own and seeing some schools in his top 10, and he's decided to give Texas the first visit. Um, He basically said to our Greg Biggins that Texas is the school recruiting him the hardest. Um, He's got a great relationship with Jay Valai, and he thought it was only right that they get the first visit. So, uh, Nick, I saw the kid in February at Pylon Vegas. You saw him in July, I want to say, at uh, Pylon Dallas. Uh, What were your thoughts on him?
0: Uh, Yeah, Damonte Jackson, he came out, kind of a surprise visit uh, to the Dallas area for a uh, pylon tournament. He was playing with uh, Fast Houston, he was playing corner for them, played uh, the majority of their bracket play and uh, uh, about half of the time during their pool play. Um, and he, he kind of struggled in the beginning during pool play. It was, a I think he had just flown in the night before and it was an early morning start. So it may, it may have just been a little uh, grog he had to wipe off. But then in bracket play, he really uh, started to show up and he had a, a few uh, a big plays in the semifinal that pushed them into the final where they won that tournament. Um, so yeah, Damonte Jackson, I think he's got a lot of potential, especially in this 2022 class. I mean, if you look at the rankings, number one cornerback in the nation, uh, number one prospect in California, which in a state where I think is a loaded 2022 class in California. California. Um, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of lot of things to like about him, and I think something really important here is that this is his first uh, big-time out-of-state visit that he's taken on his own dime. I don't know if he took any before the emergency dead period. I don't believe he did. Um, but this one will be on his own dime. I believe he's coming for the Baylor game um, towards the uh, end of the month, I believe. And, you know, that's a winnable game for Texas, and I think they can really have a good showing on defense during that uh, during that game. They have a couple of games beforehand to get ready for that. Um, so if, if all things go well and Texas has a good, uh, good day on, um, I think that's – I think that's right at the end of October. If they have a good game against Baylor, um, then that'll definitely help our chances with uh, Damani Jackson.
1: October 24th is the date uh, that he gotcha. will be in town. And uh talked to Charles Wright last night. He's actually going to act as his host. The two have connected, and um, I think Charles is going to show him around Austin. So uh, good to have a guy like Charles in the class who can do that. Um I think with Damani, what you see, I mean, what what made him the number one corner in the country is he's just kind of got it all from a tools aspect. 6'1", 185, ran a four five one forty at the opening regional as a sophomore, uh, 4'3", four three four shuttle, I think. So, I mean, athletically, everything's there. Now, he goes to a school in modern day where they're constantly the best team on the field. It's, it's hard for me to take a lot from game film on kids like that, uh, but... He's a guy Texas values very much, and Texas is very bullish on their chances of getting him, in fact. Um, so, uh, I think it's something to watch out for. Of course, we'll have post-visit reports and, and all those sorts of things uh, after the game. Or, I'm sorry, after the visit. Um, all right, Nick, let's uh, let's start the high school segment. Um, we'll, we'll talk about last week. You and I were out at the ballpark, uh, Globe Life Field, Thursday night to see Arlington Bowie take on Mansfield. Um I can't remember, was it your first time seeing the football at the ballpark?
0: Yes, it was, and I was definitely blown away. Even though there was probably only like 750 fans there, uh, it was such a cool environment. Um, I mean, I don't know uh, how y'all feel about it. Anybody growing up in DFW or just in Texas, uh, going to Ranger games as a kid, and then seeing that venue completely changed was definitely kind of weird, but uh, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like a new little era for that ballpark, and I'm glad they were able to find a purpose for it. And uh, it's funky, but it works as a it works as a pretty cool football venue here in the state of Texas. And I think it's going to end up being one of my favorites uh, that we cover games at. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to like a really good area weekend at. Um globe life park with maybe like a triple header uh because i think about that triple header we had last year in the area around at at&t stadium i'm like man imagine that at globe life that would that would that would be pretty pretty special
1: yeah you know maybe it's because at and T's is such like old hat to us by now like that's what's so weird right is we're how blessed are we that we get to go watch <laughs> games at at a like world-class stadium every year for, like, four or five weeks in a row. And it kind of just gets boring to you, you know? Like, it's like, <laughs> we're kind of just like, oh, same old AT&T. Like, I don't know. I, I hadn't spent a lot of time walking around the tunnels at, at Globe Life. And I love that ballpark. I mean, uh, just from a aesthetic point, I understand they had to put a roof on it because... You can't have baseball in July in Texas, and it's miserable out there at times, but just a beautiful, gorgeous ballpark, and I'm glad they're not tearing it down. They can find some other use for it. Just being able to get to like run up the, the dugout steps um, is kind of cool. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a cool experience. It's weird. It's definitely weird to see it like that, uh, but the thing I actually loved about it from a coverage aspect, there's so much room on the sidelines. Like, how many, yeah. how many times are we, like, just pinned in on a sideline, there's million people you know there's a lot of room to, to really spread out there so I like that about it um we got to see uh Devon Campbell the, the Arlington Bowie offensive lineman uh in action Nick what were your thoughts on on his game
0: uh, I thought he didn't have his best performance that um you know he's had maybe even this year or going back to last year but um he definitely looked really strong really good uh, he definitely looks like the making um, of a five-star lineman in that next 2022 class uh I think that's a kid that Texas has done a great job of prioritizing early. Um, And I would consider Texas the leader at this point, even though it is early. Um, But yeah, Devon Campbell, he looked great. Uh, He plays for a, you know, kind of an average uh, Arlington uh, Bowie team. Um, but I think I thought he did a really good job in helping facilitate their offense from an upfront standpoint. They had him moving across the line. Uh, he he played inside a couple of times. He went back out, uh, switched from the left to right side. Um, they just kind of run that offense behind him. You know, wherever he is, that's the side they're most likely going to. And I was talking with our friend Guy Frazier during the game. I was like, man, I guess it's kind of a tell, but I guess it doesn't really matter when you have a five star lineman. You can tell him the play, and uh, it, you're going to have to find someone stronger than him to stop him. So uh, I, I really liked what I saw. Uh, even though it wasn't his best performance and sometimes that's the best data point you can get.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, with respect to the tell on the play, uh, you know, the 92-93 Cowboys when they were winning Super Bowls, um they ran the lead draw like all the time, and they would line up in a way where you knew it was coming, but you just couldn't. <laughs> Their offensive line and Emmett Smith was too good to stop. So sometimes, if you got it like that, you got it like that. I would agree with you. I think that, um, for me, Campbell's put on a little too much weight. It's nothing that's like crazy, but I think he may have to drop 10 pounds or so. Just he didn't have the same type of juice he usually has, and that could definitely be attributed to the weird offseason we had. Um, but. You know, in his sophomore year, we saw him really destroy guys at the first level, move quickly to the second level, and pick up more bodies there. And he just didn't quite have that juice. Now, he played a lot. He got in on defense a little bit, played defensive tackle, um, and there was even one play where he ran down like a, a jet sweep on the boundary. So, a really good player. I just think that usage is going to be uh, is going to be big time for him. So he may want to drop some weight. Um, Friday night, Nick, uh, you were at uh, Northwestern or not Northwestern? Justin Northwest uh, <laughs> versus North Mesquite. Uh, not North Mesquite. Jeez, let's try that again. You were at Justin Northwest versus McKinney North. <laughs> Too many Norths in there. Um, and to see JJ Henry, tell us what you saw.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a great night for football. That's one of the best nights we've probably had for football all year on Friday night. It got a little chilly towards the end, but it was perfect all night. Uh, it was McKinney North's first time uh, hitting the field this year. Uh, they didn't play in the opening week; uh, they didn't have a game scheduled. So this was their first time hitting the field, and uh, just in Northwest, it was their second time getting out. And as we saw last year in their sixty-eight to sixty-five shootout, it was a lot of high scoring again. Uh, but Northwest pretty much controlled the game from this uh, from the jump, and they ended up winning sixty-three to forty-nine. Uh, JJ Henry, you know, he looked really good at times. He has a really good burst, uh, but I think poor quarterback play is going to kind of keep his numbers limited this year. Um, if you remember from last year, McKinney. North had a pretty solid quarterback in Dylan Markowitz. Uh, I think he threw for the most yards in the DFW area uh, last year for all conferences, not even just in 5A. Uh, he had a really strong year, and J.J. Henry was one of the biggest receivers that they had. And uh, I think J.J. ended up with uh, well over 1,200 yards in his junior season. But uh, there was a couple of times that he had his uh, he had his corner burnt, and um, he was just overthrown. I think he very well could have ended up with about uh, 125, 130 yards. But he ended with uh, six receptions for 46 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Like I said, his speed is really strong. I kind of saw it a couple of times on punt returns. Um, But uh, in talking to him after the game, it looks like he's going to finally come down to – you know, focusing on his recruitment, um, he's been one that's really been taking it slow, really been taking the process slow, and just you know, uh, evaluating his options fully. And he's been trying to wait as long as he could to take visits. But obviously, with that situation looking bleak, uh, it looks like he's going to try to cut his list down to six here in the next month or so. Um, and I fully expect Texas to be in that list. And I, I honestly consider Texas to be among the front runners. Maybe not necessarily the school that's standing out at this point. Uh, and frankly I don't think there is a school standing out at this point Uh, I think there's a couple involved that could really uh, make some pushes he mentioned uh, Texas of course Texas A&M Florida State Ole Miss I think there's going to be some interesting schools like that some uh, different power fives that we normally don't get to deal with I think those are going to be a couple that we deal with in this recruitment Um, but honestly uh, a player that I really liked coming out of that game aside from J.J. Henry was a 2023 quarterback Jake Strong at uh, Justin Northwest I really liked what I saw from him and he's really the first uh, 2023 quarterback here in the state of Texas that I can think of that's you know really emerged so far um so i really liked what i saw from him
1: i hear tale that uh jake strong might be playing for flex seven on seven next year so Ooh, jakey jake get to see some extended action uh friday i went out to see sock uh, south of cliff and duncanville um in south dallas uh, it started off with a bang by me arriving at the wrong stadium because uh, the, <laughs> I did hear about that. The schedule said it was at Sprague, and luckily, um, so it's all like here's a long, here's a short, long story about the game. DISD would, was not letting anybody on the field. I talked to the coaches at South Oak Cliff, who said you can kind of go in with us, and we'll get you onto the sideline. Um, I was sitting in the parking lot at Sprague Stadium, and I texted the coach I deal with, who said, and I said, "What time are y'all getting to Sprague?" and <laughs> The coach replied, the game's at Kincaid. So um, (laughs) luckily, I mean, those stadiums are probably seven, eight minutes apart. It wasn't a long drive over there, but I got over there just in time to roll in with them. Um, And it it was good to see Duncanville because they've been basically a secret to us because they haven't allowed anybody out to practice. We haven't seen their kids basically all year. So, um, you know, they're – I think – they don't have Jaquin and Jackson anymore, and that's really tough to replace. But I think they're actually a more dangerous offensive team now because they are forced to like work the ball to their weapons. It's not just... Let's let's run quarterback power and hope it works. You know they've got Roderick Daniels at receiver. They've got a, a new running back that transferred in from Odessa Permian who looks good. Uh, they've got a couple of young receivers who are stepping up. Grayson James, the quarterback, struggled a little bit in the first half, but really picked it up in the second. They've got a really good offensive line. I mean, three FBS offensive line guys. So I think that they're going to spread the ball around a lot more, and I think that that's actually going to make them a more diverse and and dangerous offensive team. Uh, the difference is is they didn't. Need to be that diverse and that dangerous because nobody could stop JaQuindal Jackson um, last the last couple years. So, but I, I really liked what we saw. Uh, Savian Bird, I thought was a re- really good. Talked to him afterwards, and um, it sounds like Texas is still in the running there, albeit probably fourth place behind LSU, SMU, and Oklahoma. But uh, he is listening. Uh, Jalen Early, I got to lay my my eyes on for the first time, and he was good. He was solid, um, played guard instead of tackle, uh, moved pretty well. Uh, the frame wasn't what I quite thought it could be. I think he may be relegated to an interior guy at the next level, but, um, you know, was a good player. And then on defense, the guy that really, to me, was the most impressive guy on the field uh, was Amaria Boer, the defensive end from, from Duckyville. I think that that kid is a no-doubt five-star should be like top two or three in the state of Texas in 22. I mean, he was just so good. And the difference is, I said to somebody on the sideline, it looks like Amari's playing with a lot more confidence this year. Uh, previously, you know, he was, he was, last year he was a basketball player just converting to football and he didn't always look like he knew what he was doing. But, um, you know, just being able to, uh, see get a year under his belt you could see it when i talked to him after the game i was like hey what's the biggest difference for you and he said i feel a lot more confident so it was good to kind of see that read it and, and pick up on it uh nick you've got a big group of games this week a, a four pack uh i believe is yes, that correct sir. okay yeah my uh, first
0: four pack of the season i'm ready fire away uh so to thursday night about to say tomorrow night thursday night i'll be at a uh, Lake Carroll at rockwall um, looking to see Quinn Ewers in game action for the first time this season. I saw him in the scrimmage a couple of weeks ago, of course, against uh, DeSoto, and there were some good things that I saw, and there was some things uh, that I'd like to see improved on in his game, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow against a, a defense that has been routinely not so great in recent years uh, in Rockwall, but Rockwall also has a pretty good offense of their own. They had a really impressive week over Jesuit, uh, a really impressive win over Jesuit last week. Um, pretty strong Jesuit team, as always. Uh, they actually made some noise in the playoffs last year, so... Um, it looks like quarterback Brayden Locke is uh, you know, ready to lead them back to a deep 6A playoff run like they had last year so uh, I'm excited to see that one and then on Friday night um, pending approval it's been a little been a little wild this week getting a little uh, late in the week too but oh wait um, wait wait, planning...
1: wait I thought you were bragging earlier to us in our group text that you've had no problems with credentials
0: yeah I know I know <laughs> I jinxed it and I have two games already that have started to cause me issues and this is the first one um, but I just haven't been able to get on the phone with anybody I don't think anyone's at the school I send emails and uh, it looks like I'm starting to have problems but I'm hoping to get out to Longview uh, to see uh, Tyler Legacy and Longview to see um, new running back offer in 2022 uh, Jamarian Miller uh, plays for uh, Tyler Legacy L- really looking forward to seeing him in action I'm really hoping I can make it out there uh, don't quite have a plan B yet for uh, Friday but I- I'm thinking I'll be able to get in and you know see what he can do he's had huge numbers in his uh, first two weeks so uh, hopefully he can repeat that against uh, you know a lackluster uh, uh, Longview defense and then on Saturday, I got two games. Uh, the first one, Duncanville-IMG, I think that's – that's probably the game of the year across the country almost um especially with COVID there hasn't been a lot of teams traveling but IMG has and uh they're coming right to you know Duncanville's territory they'll be at Globe Life Park and uh, hopefully they'll be allow they'll be able to allow uh, a good amount of fans into that place so we can get a pretty good environment going but uh there's so many kids in that game that I'm looking forward to seeing uh, I mean all the Duncanville kids that you mentioned a minute ago when you were talking about last week and then for IMG of course the the big name coming is um uh, Kamari Wilson uh, 2022 DB that you know has really Really like texas so far and you know he's been in communication with uh commits like quinn ewers and Faison wilson so um, i'm really excited to be able to talk to him see where he's at and i'm also just really excited to see all these guys in action against really solid competition um, and it's also kind of texas a uh, redemption try against uh, against img img came to texas back in 2016 and really put a beating on DeSoto on a Saturday morning. So um, I'm hoping Duncanville can, uh, you know, put on for Texas in this one. Um, And then later on Saturday night, uh, hoping to get out to Prosper to see uh, Frisco Liberty and Rock Hill. Uh, Rock Hill is a first-year program out there in Prosper ISD. Um, And then Frisco Liberty, of course, is home to five-star wide receiver Evan Stewart. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to see that one. I'm pretty sure Prosper is not allowing sideline access this year. Uh, So worst case, I'll be in the press box or, uh, you know, in the stands just kind of, Hanging around on Saturday night But I'm looking forward to seeing Evan in person Regardless and just see, you know, really how quick He is in person Uh, Of course I saw him on the 7-on-7 circuit And he, he played really well And actually going back um, you know, just talking about Damani Jackson, when he came uh, to Pylon Dallas in July, uh, there was a game that Fast Houston played against Flex and, uh, you know, Evan Stewart really uh, had the upper hand against Damani Jackson in that one. Um, so uh, th- that's definitely an interesting note to have um, looking forward. And I'm really excited to see what, uh, what he's been doing over the offseason and how that's been translating to the field.
1: Evan Stewart is a dude. When it comes to just athletic ability, I mean, it's Absolutely. its scary. I've seen it in in too many settings where it's like, okay, this is uh, this is scary good. Uh, Thursday night, I was originally planning to be with you for South Lake Rockwall's game. I was extremely excited about. I was really excited about this whole week, actually, like that. And Then I was going to go to uh, Port Arthur Laporte. And then the Port arthur Lamport game got moved to Thursday, so that's where I'll be. I've just got to be there. I've, I've, I've always planned on going to see Regis and see those two commits and knock them out in one, in one fell swoop. And especially with Regis committing on Saturday, I feel like it's just the place I need to be. And it's funny because I've never been to Wilk, um, Wilkerson Stadium in Rockwell. And I
0: mean, you're not missing a ton, but that's my hometown. You know, well, that's my I've, home grounds.
1: I'll tell you this. How many times have I been to Texarkana, Nick? Quite a few. I drive by Wilk all the time going up and down 30. And I always thought that looks like a cool stadium. I'd I'd like to cover a game there. And, Every time I do, like something comes up and I end up just canceling and going, I'll catch Rockwall somewhere else. And, um, man, I thought this was going to be the time. But, uh, you know, it it happened to me again. So um, I think
0: we might have another opportunity next Thursday night. McKinney North is playing at Rockwall Heath. So, you know, maybe you might be able to get it in then.
1: I have not decided on a game for next Thursday night. That is what the, the 15th. That is on my list. I'm going to try to go to Garland Rallet. That's the goal. Ah, yeah, if I'm course. going to try to sneak in there. Um, so, yeah, t- and just another thing came up that kept me out of Wilk. But, look, we'll have our chances. I, I looked on the list, and I believe Jamarian Miller will be coming to Wilk at some point this year. Um, so I look forward to going to a game there and getting the, that famous Rockwall hospitality. Uh, <laughs> some treatment. of the
0: best press box food you'll find in the state of Texas. They really, they really go all out sometimes
1: they can they've got room to maneuver up my rankings i uh currently I mean like there's and we'll have to do a segment on this at some point because uh, e j and I did this back in the day, but I've never got your takes on it, but currently, and you're not a big press box guy, so I don't know how often you go in press boxes and eat but
0: my my routine normally consists of showing up to the stadium about an hour early, you know seeing what they got food wise, maybe grabbing a bite and then going down, so you know typically i, I get my I get my eats in
1: well. The best food I've ever eaten. It's weird. The, like the two best pit stops I've ever had for food in a press box have been Waxahachie number one. And Burleson, number two. Waxa- in Waxahachie, they bring out literally every restaurant in the town has something. There's like five entree choices. And then all the grandmas in the town make homemade desserts. So like I ate like three bowls full of some grandmother's homemade banana pudding at that thing. It was amazing. I didn't want to leave the press box. I was like, I got to go take pictures, but I, I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't want to leave. And at Waxahachie, like their press box staff will walk around and come pick up your plate like they're a waiter. Like, when you're done. Wow. I was like, I'll throw this away. They're like, no, 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 don't worry about it. We got it. So, hatch gets major marks. And then, like, one time I went to Burleson to see them against Burleson Centennial. And I was told by my friends at Burleson that this only happens at the Centennial game. But they had, like, nine different options, too. And somebody made homemade brisket tacos. And when I left... Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I left the press box, the lady there goes, "Hey, uh, do you want these brisket tacos that are left over?" And my wife was out of town that weekend. I was like, "Yeah, I do. I'm gonna take them home and just crush brisket <laughs> tacos all weekend." So uh, those are my two favorites. But we'll do that. maybe next week. We'll do a full segment on that. Um, all right, Nick. Let's uh, let's. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say my Friday game. Friday, I'm gonna go to. Uh, It was a tough decision. I was just kind of looking around after having to make a last-minute decision. It was kind of about where can I get approved. I got a good friend on the Arlington Lamar staff, um, and... I need to go see Louisville. They're playing each other in Arlington, which is close to my house. And after traveling to Houston, I want to go somewhere relatively close to my house. Um, Armani Winfield will sit out the first half of this game after receiving two personal fouls in last week's game. But he has assured me that he will make plays if I still show up. So um, I'm going to see uh, Louisville and Arlington Lamar um, at Cravensfield uh, Friday night. That's going to be the plan. So uh, it was... It was a tough choice but like i said you know what my other game that i was probably going to end up at was prosper DeSoto, soto and that game got canceled so it's probably a good choice i made
0: uh yeah i think you're gonna i think you're gonna probably see a pretty good performance by armani in that second half you know he, he's gotta he's gotta put up those numbers regardless so he's gonna have to do it in closer amount of time
1: we hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the state of recruiting we'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors Alright, well let's go ahead and jump into the pick segment. Nick, have you prepared some games for us this week?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's revisit last week. We both had pretty bad performances last week. I don't know if you went back and saw, but um, I went Hit me with five. the numbers,
1: but Shadow Creek, I'm looking at you again.
0: i uh i went one and five and you went uh three and three so you're up two games on me now after we both went five and one week one but yeah the big loss was shadow creek i I think if i had realized that kyron drones was not playing in that game i probably would have taken bridgeland so uh i think that's a tough l that we both took there
1: that's i absolutely would have taken bridgeland and i almost did remember last week i was like my my heart's telling me bridgeland i should listen to the heart um (laughs) Who else did you miss on to go one and five?
0: So we had, uh, we had Lubbock Cooper and Lubbock Coronado and Sawyer Robertson had a pretty good showing, and they won 24 to nothing. We both picked Cooper in that one. Um, I'm trying to think what else we had last week. Uh, Allen and At- Atascacita, oh, we yeah. both lost that one. We
1: both ate that one, yeah. What did yeah, I get right that, that you got wrong?
0: um i accidentally deleted the the note that had our picks from last week uh but well, i did you got, write down our records let me
1: think you got carthage pg
0: yeah i put right? I picked carthage. We we both, both picked carthage we both we both had
1: that one um yeah i can't remember the others i guess i don't um i, I don't know did we pick de soto judson i don't know
0: no we didn't pick that one um Man, look at us, blanking.
1: We'll, we'll figure it out. Well, well, we'll go back and look. All right, uh, let's see what we got for this week.
0: All right, we're going to start with our small school game of the week. I'm really testing your knowledge on this one. Uh, ARP and West Rusk, Beast-Texas matchup. Who you got?
1: I actually know something about this game, and it's weird because, um, look, ARP has not been good any time I've ever seen them. And I covered them <laughs> when Demarvin Van Overschon was at ARP, and I saw him the next year when his little brother was there. Um, I think, and I know somebody at West Rusk. I know somebody on the staff at West Rusk. Uh, a good friend of our good friend, Justin Wells, um, is on that West Rusk staff. Basically, Justin's godson is the quarterback at West Rusk. So, for that reason, I'm going to go with West Rusk.
0: Yeah, West Rusk also has a pretty good 22 linebacker. Um, so, I'm going to go with West Rusk as well. It looks like they have a pretty deep program this year. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with you on that one. Um, our next one, um, this one's kind of interesting. It's Allen Cedar Hill at Cedar Hill. Cedar Hill didn't have a great opening performance last week against Arlington. And, of course, Allen kind of shut down a lot of doubters last week in their mauling of the task of Cedar. So what do you do here?
1: General Booty appears to be very good um, from what <laughs> I saw, and what a name. Um, Cedar Hill struggled, but that's a good Arlington team, man. I, I don't think that that's like – that bad of a mark on them it's not like they struggled against sam houston forgive me coach chris if you hear this uh i'm not talking bad about you but um yeah i don't think that that's a huge mark on them is that is that at cedar hill i guess it doesn't matter the crowds are kind of trimmed down it doesn't matter um although it does get me away from the stat that Allen like doesn't lose games in eagle stadium um (laughs) man i really i want to go with my boys at cedar hill but my brain here is telling me to roll with Allen. i'm gonna go with Allen.
0: yeah i'm gonna to have to roll with Allen too i think that's i think that's a safe pick until they can lose a regular season game and prove to me that they can uh it's kind of dumb to pick against them um our next one you saw both of these teams in week one and uh now they're squaring off uh, down in central texas you got arlington martin and temple
1: that's a really interesting game actually um I looked at it because I was putting the schedule the schedule art, uh, article together this week and thought, wow, oh, that's really interesting. Um, Arlington Martin took a loss to Ryan, which is nothing to sneeze at. Um, and then they really bounced back. I mean, they played the Woodlands College Park, not exactly the strongest competition, but it was a last-minute addition for them. I think they're going to continue to roll. I just think that... I think that Temple's good, they're talented, but I think that they're also very young. And I think that this Martin team is a little more experienced. They've got more propensity to turn this game into a fistfight as per their style. I'm going to go with Martin.
0: Uh, see this is one we're going to we're going to be different. So, uh, maybe i can get one back on you on this one. I'm going to take Temple. I just I haven't seen what I want to see out of the Arlington Martin offense so far this year. Um and Temple obviously looked fantastic against Longview and that big opening week win, uh opening week win that they had. And I actually just remembered one game that we were different on last week. It was uh you took Denton Ryan, I took Geyer, and uh Geyer kinda of fumbled that game in the last minute. So that's that's one. Maybe I'll think of the other before we're over with this. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, sir. Um, Speaking of Rodney Webb, his old Rockwell Yellow Jackets facing off against South Lake Carroll tomorrow night. Uh, You know, I figured I'd throw this one in here. I think it might be an easy pick, but it also could be an upset pick, and I just kind of wanted to see what your thoughts were on it at least.
1: My thoughts are bet the over. Um, Whatever the over (laughs) is, bet it. Absolutely. Uh, um, You know, tonight, Nick, before we recorded, I was out at the harbor in Rockwall, uh, for Rockwall County game day, I stared Braden Locke right in the eye. He had a, <laughs> he had a really confident look. Um, but I, it's foolish for me to roll with anybody not named Quinn Ears in a matchup like this. I think it'll be closer than people expect. I think I could see it being like a 63-54 game or something like that. I'm going to go with Southlake.
0: See if you're open to this. Why don't we go over under under 100? Are you open with that? That makes it a little bit more interesting.
1: To go over under, over under on a hundred. Oh, way over! You're taking over. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll
0: take over on that as well. I think it just makes it a little bit more interesting, though.
1: Yeah, I would <laughs> if if I was picking an over under for that game, I would set the line at like one fifteen.
0: Oof, that's a lot.
1: Well, I mean, one fifteen. That'd I be mean, like
0: sixty to fifty-five.
1: Yeah, something like that. Sixty-three yeah. to fifty. Yeah, to fifty-three. Something like that. Yeah. That's um, yeah. yeah. I I think that I think this game's gonna go way over. But who knows? I'm not a, I'm not a gambler for that reason.
0: <laughs> All right, our next one, um, Marshall and McKinney North. Uh, this is a really interesting. Two teams that wait, wait, wait. Um, did
1: you take South Lake in that last one too?
0: I definitely did. Definitely okay. South Lake. Okay. Uh, Marshall and McKinney North, uh, Marshall coming over from Beast, Texas. So um, I think this is an interesting 5A matchup. Marshall's looked good early on, and McKinney North didn't look too great last week, especially on defense. So uh, they're definitely going to have to clean some things up. And they're also down uh, their 2022 um, three-star defensive end, Dylan Frazier, for the opening uh, three to four weeks. So the the defense is definitely suffering right now. So who you got in that one?
1: This is an interesting one. Marshall beat uh, New Canyon week one. Pretty, s- pretty soundly. Um, I can't remember who they played in week two. Did they play Tyler Legacy? Um, I couldn't tell you. I think, uh, and I can't remember what their. Hold on, give me one second, and I'll pull up their schedule. Uh, but I, I, I've been kind of, for some reason, like when I'm uh, just looking at at um, like schedules and stuff for to put the schedules. I keep coming across Marshall. So they got the break speed off of them in week two by Longview, 53-21. Uh, to 21. Honestly, I thought Longview was kind of bad after that Temple game. That it look, may maybe a really good uh, Temple win. Um, I'm going to go – I'm going to take Marshall bouncing back. I just think – I love J.J. Henry, but I think them – like w- what you kind of told me about their offense last week is is a little worrisome to me, so I'll go with Marshall.
0: I will say McKinney North has a pretty solid running game. Um, they had a running back. I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, but he had well over 150 yards and three scores. Uh, he was really kind of their catalyst in, the, in their offense, especially in the first half. He was running pretty wild. Um, it was close at half. I believe it was 35-33. And so McKinney North, they look really good on offense uh, at times, even though they probably could have done a little better. Um, so that's probably the reason I'm going to take the Bulldogs. So uh, give me McKinney North in that one. And then uh, our uh, big, big game of the week, Duncanville IMG.
1: We better be in lockstep on this one. Um, (laughs) Look, man, IMG's got talent, and I've seen IMG play a couple times over the years. And I I I always say, like, they're always really talented, obviously, but they never look quite like a team. And last time they came into town, as you mentioned, um, which, by the way, Nobody, I've not heard one like high school coach make noise over the fact that a Texas high school team's scheduling IMG. They went crazy about it back in the day um, when all their kids were defecting to IMG. I guess fewer kids are going to IMG now, so maybe that's why. But I think... Duncanville is the type of school, like I think to all these international, or not international, but national matchups, right? Like uh, I think back to like Cedar Hill and Bishop Gorman that one year with Tate Martell. Um, And and what is always the difference I think is up front. And Cedar Hill was the wrong team to play Gorman that year because they just didn't have the bodies up front. Uh, They had the skill talent, but not the bodies up front. DeSoto who won a state championship that year with Sean Robinson and that really amazing offensive line would have actually been a really great uh, option for them to face. So I think about what's up front. And to me, the strength of Duncanville is the fact that they've got three FBS players on the offensive line. They've got a legitimate five-star and like three really good high school players who are going to play somewhere on the defensive line. And, um, you know, the only thing that really worries me is their secondary, which is a bit young and new and, and, so I think I think it'll actually probably be a uh, if I had to predict it a much lower scoring game than people think. but I'm gonna take Duncanville in this one Texas high school football till the end.
0: I agree with you 100% on all those and I'm also taking Duncanville. Um, I think something that worries me about IMG is I've heard that their receivers aren't necessarily the, uh, the best that they've been in you know recent years. Um, honestly, I can't think of a receiver that's come out of IMG recently, unless you can think of one off the top of your head, Mike, but they got JJ McCarthy, the quarterback commit to Michigan. Uh, I mean, obviously he's going to make some plays for them on offense on the defensive side of ball. Uh, obviously they got Kamari Wilson in a pretty solid secondary. I worry about what they can do up front and, uh, they better be ready to match the task of the massive Duncanville offensive line. And like you said, for that reason, I'm probably going to go ahead and take Duncanville. Uh, I'm thinking 27, 21. Somewhere in that range.
1: All right, sounds good to me. Well, that'll do it for our high school segment. Um, check back each week. And Nick, we got to—we've been talking about getting Guy Fraser on as a guest picker. We got to start prioritizing that and remembering that. We might get
0: him on next week.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do it next week for sure. All right, let's finish up, as we always do with the mailbag. As always, you can get your mailbag questions to us over at horns four seven when we put the mailbag thread up. You can also leave us a five-star review on our iTunes page uh, with a question. Any five-star review on our iTunes page. Uh, that question gets answered, so if there's questions I refuse to answer when you put them in the mailbag, drop them in a five-star review, and I'll make sure we get them there. Um, it's funny because I put the question thread up like right in the midst of Bowman's decommitment and I was just like I'm pretty sure I know which, what we're going to talk about but drop them here um, the first reply was you're brave to put this out there tonight um, our first question from hookham777 with Damani Jackson coming in on his own dime is this a recruitment we should tar- start taking seriously absolutely I think you guys know that when I talk about out of state guys I talk about them in the most conservative terms possible um, and I will tell you hey now is the time to be excited about this I thought, for instance, um, I think I was probably hyping up the Jameer Johnson recruitment before anybody because I thought met him in February at Vegas, and I thought that's a guy that's actually serious when he says he's interested in Texas. And I get the same feeling from Demonte Jackson. I mean, I think that yeah, I've always said for out of state guys, I want to see him make two. Unofficial visits on their own dime and an official visit before I really take them serious. But this is a great step, and the intel on Devontae Jackson was really strong before this. Um, I think that Texas has always been in that top three or four group for him. I think that Michigan, Clemson, Texas, and USC—that that makes up the top for him um, as of right now. So, and, and look, he's not—he's not a West Coast kid. He he moved there from the Midwest, so it's not like a kid who's grown up his whole life uh, dreaming of playing for USC. So there, there definitely is a chance here, and I think Michigan is the dream school. I think Clemson poses a lot of, of great opportunity, but he is very interested in Texas, and I think that's absolutely a recruitment you should start taking seriously.
0: You asked me a week ago, and I say, yeah, this is definitely you know a, a big-time recruitment to pay attention to, um, but there's a lot of national powers involved. I think it might get kind of uh, flooded at the top. It really just depends on where he decides to go visit. Now that we're talking on October seventh, and the news has come out that he's visiting Texas first out of these, you know, national schools that he's looking to get to, um, I have a lot more confidence in Texas in this one. It all just depends on you know what they can show him uh, or what he can see for himself whenever he gets to Austin, um, and uh, you know what Charles Wright can uh, you know show him around to. Um, so, so hopefully he can have a, you know, pretty solid visit in Austin. And then, um, I think we'll really be able to evaluate Texas's chances after that. But as we're sitting right now, you know, I think they're in a really good spot and with a good visit, they can really, you know, separate themselves at this point.
1: All right, from HornSfan7612 Mike, last week I asked you Who were some of the nicest kids and your favorite kids That you've talked to on the job If you're willing to, who are some of the kids Who you did not like talking to Are any of them high profile, four and five stars Let me me answer it this way All, All of them are high profile Four and five stars um, he's, in a, he's a professional player now, and I've said it a million times, so I feel comfortable saying it. Kyler Murray is one of my least favorite people on earth. Um, he was the first kid <laughs> I ever interviewed. He answered um, nine questions I asked in about 43 seconds. And, Nick, you know if somebody answers nine questions in 43 seconds, you're not getting a lot from them. Um, and generally just didn't want to have anything to do with me. Uh, he then later went on to tell me once that he loved being the underdog while at Allen. Um mm-hmm. Which is the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. Kyler Murray on the Mount Rushmore people I don't like. Um, I, w- I guess I want to be careful. There are several p- players on the Texas roster that fall into this category very much so. Um, and Nick knows who they are because I curse them on a regular basis. Um, but... Uh, from last, uh, let me think of last couple of years. Like I know one that comes to, eh, I think I'm just going to stick with Kyler. I, I know a couple that come to mind, but like, I, I'm just going to stick with Kyler.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a safe argument, you know, uh, keep the ratings up. Um, I won't mention anybody, but there's definitely a few out there that make, uh, that not only make our job difficult. And I think, um, I think there's some kids who, you know, just conceal things, uh, you know, just for their well being. And, you know, they're polite about it. And, you know, we don't get upset with kids like that. I think personally, I uh, when I was back on the Baylor beat last year, um, I was covering Garrett Hayes' recruitment pretty pretty hard. A four-star tackle out of Athens last year. He ended up um, signing with TCU. Um, but he just didn't really do interviews. But he was polite about it. I, I went to their first-round playoff game. It was actually their last game of the season against Carthage. And, um, you know, I asked for an interview after the game. Didn't really know that that's how, you know, he rolled. And he was like, you know, no disrespect, but, you know, I just kind of keep that stuff between my family. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. But then there's other kids who kind of just, you know, go in a roundabout way of telling you that, you know, they, they're not up to it. And uh, it's for, you know, different intentions. And I think that's where we kind of run into issues with kids, I think.
1: And he is legitimately – like the nicest gomer piley and i I don't say that because he's dumb he is just small town east texas i didn't really ever deal with him because texas didn't recruit him but um but uh i i got to talk to him a little he no he was sitting next to i was sitting next to the guy who was interviewing him at all american bowl and just listened to him talk it was just like this kid is so out of a small town like 50s andy griffith TV show. it's It was uh, hilarious. I heard on his official visit to a and like all he wanted to do was go fishing. So um, yeah, what <laughs> a kid. That. What a kid. But there are some others that like the biggest ones, it's like the ones that like purposely lie to you and you know they're doing it or the kids who dealt with you all the time when they were unranked and then they get to five star status and they just ghost you. They forget kind of you were around. That's infuriating to me. Here's one more, a former Longhorn I can't speak on. Um, I had one interaction with Chris Boyd during his recruitment, and it was literally like I started like literally the year he was signing. So um, I didn't have a long time to get to know the guys in that class. Now, Malik Jefferson is your example of a five-star who never acted like a five-star. I thought, oh, wow, all five-stars are like this. He's the nicest guy in the world. And um, Chris Boyd, on the other hand— I remember being at the Army All American game when Chris Boyd was there. He had talked to like a million people, and I was going to be like the last guy to talk to him. But he was trying to talk to some family, and so I, I was like, "Hey man, if you want to spend some time with your family, like that's cool. I'll wait over here. And as soon as you're done, if you can give me like a minute or two of your time, we'll, we'll knock this out quick." So he spends all time with his family until we get kicked off the field. And so I said, "Can I just? Can we walk into the tunnel and do this?" He's like, "Yeah, just walk with me." We're like literally like on a run through the tunnel while I'm doing this interview, and then mid interview, I've asked like three questions. He just turns and goes into the locker room. So Chris Boyd, also on the Mount Rushmore of people <laughs> I don't love. Um, I hate all to do right. that. All right, our next question uh, comes to us from uh, Ob James twenty three. Um, Mike and Nick, who do you see being the next Texas commit, and do you realistically think they can pull Bowen back and uh, have a top fifteen without him? Um, the next Texas commit, I think, will be Albert Regis, as we talked about earlier in the show. Um I think they I mean I don't think it's off the table to pull Bowman back, but the numbers on getting guys who decommit are not great. And I don't think this is a top fifteen class without him.
0: Uh I think it can be. Um I think it sits at 17 right now, correct? I, I think, you know, um best case scenario um they land lj johnson they land you know albert regis and you know maybe a couple of other guys maybe one or two and i think they may be sneaking that top 15 realm um and it all just kind of depends if they you know decide to go after a, another safety maybe it'd be uh, just kinda of spitballing right here, but maybe Devin Lemire or uh someone like that. I I could I could see them maybe sneaking back into top fifteen consideration. Uh next um commit, um yeah, Albert Regis, as we talked earlier in the show. And um yeah, I if I had to put my money down, I don't see uh Bowman being um uh, being a Texas
1: Longhorn. All right. Uh from Red Wings EKO twenty eight, uh who is the next twenty twenty two commit? Hmm. I think I've always maintained that it's um that i think like armani winfield might fill that role um i don't know i like i feel like jamarian miller could be that guy to, to pull the trigger and jump in but you know talking to him the other day it seemed like he was really intent on taking his time even though he made it very clear that texas is where he wants to be long term he didn't hide that very much um i guess i would, i'll go with armani armani winfield is is my answer
0: I'd probably go. Um, I'd probably go Jadon Blue. Uh, I think that's another kid that you know Texas has uh, really done a really good job in prioritizing early, and uh, he he's obviously liking Texas. LSU is going to be the big one to beat in that race, and obviously you know this is just a uh, educated guess, but I I just go with Jadon Blue.
1: All right, our next question uh, comes from Horns Fan Seven Six One Two. I know you're getting tired of these questions, but is Texas still pursuing Donovan Jackson? Yeah, Texas will always pursue Donovan Jackson. He's a five star offensive lineman, and they love him. But the thing is, Donovan Jackson's not really listening. I did check with his father probably a month or so ago just to kind of, hey, is everything still good? Are you guys open at all? And it was pretty much told to me, like, nah, we're shut down. Um, So I I think that uh, for Texas, um, you know, with Donovan Jackson, I I just don't see it happening.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I saw him over the summer, or maybe it was like late May, late in the spring. And, um, and maybe it sounded like he was listening to some other schools, but that's definitely those, that communication is definitely seized and, uh, it definitely looks like he's going to end up at Ohio state.
1: All right. Um, let's see from winters, uh, who can Texas flip or grad transfer to fill openings? um, Flipping's going to be tough with the way things are going right now. I mean, if guys are decommitting on your end, it's it's hard to flip other guys. I mean, Texas was really going to need to turn it on, win out, and show that they've got – look, I mean, if you could shake it off and say, hey, our first two games were a little rough coming off this COVID thing, but look, we figured it out from there, won the Big 12, you could maybe flip some guys. Uh, grad transfers, I don't know, until those guys declare to be on the market, it, it's hard to say.
0: Yeah, the grad transfer market's going to be really weird, especially with COVID happening this year. You might not see a ton, um, especially with kids not losing a year of eligibility this year. So, you know, that's another thing to consider. As far as flipping guys, uh, I mean, I don't think there's really any candidates, but I think something that's kind of interesting to note is LSU hasn't had a strong start to the season. So um, you maybe look at guys like JoJo Earl and Landon Jackson and just think about that. Um, But obviously that's just, you know, just kind of spitballing.
1: Yeah, the thing is is Texas would have to have a strong start to counteract Absolutely. it. Um all right, from Hookem S D, is there silver lining to the Bow and D commitment? Maybe an easier sell to playing time to get guys like BJ Allen or Kamari Wilson in twenty twenty two. Uh no. I don't think there's any silver lining. I mean, uh it, it's hard when you lose a kid of that caliber. I think it's uh it's really um I just think it's really tough. I, I, I don't think you could spin it positively to me.
0: I think like the only thing you can really just kind of see uh, anything good that came out of it is, um, you know, if Jatavian Sanders ends up sticking through um, this little time, you know, with his 2021 teammate at Denton Ryan decommitting and him kind of sticking through and following through with his commitment in the next like month or month and a half. Then, uh, then the silver lining there, I guess you don't have to worry about him down the stretch. So, I mean, maybe that's like the only thing.
1: Yeah, I would say at this point I'm worried about everybody. I mean, we'll we'll have our eyes on (laughs) on everybody. Never say never on any of it. Um, From in Murrell 2011, has there been any story recently to the level of Brew McCoy's recruitment that you've seen or heard of? Um, I mean, the Zach Evans recruitment was insane. Uh, Like, the Brew McCoy thing was, it was weird the way it all turned out, but I feel like Brew's a good kid and... It wasn't like, I don't know. It was odd the way it was like trans, like sign, transfer, transfer back. But um, I would say the Zach Evans story is, is one I'll remember forever for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, Zach Evans. I can't really think of another recruitment that's kind of had that high level of craziness. Um, I think just kind of a crazy story. I think it's kind of similarly crazy uh, that we've seen here in the first three to four weeks um, is the Jake Garcia situation. Have you Have you seen that?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um, So I knew Jake. I I met Jake in California last year uh, when he came to Texas Satellite Camp. Texas was actually very much in on him under Tim Beck. And then I kind of lost track of him after he committed to USC, but you brought the story to my attention.
0: Yeah, so he uh, obviously California, they're not playing um, this fall, and he's looking to get a season in before he goes off to USC. I believe he's trying to early enroll. Um, And so he transferred to Valdosta, Georgia, And um, part of like the Georgia, quote unquote, UIL uh, rules, uh, there's some sort of loophole where he can get away with it if his parents are divorced. And so his parents divorced and he moved out there with one of his parents. And then the parents openly told on ESPN that they were just divorcing so he would be eligible and then they would uh, remarry at the end of the season. And the Georgia, quote unquote, UIL caught wind of that and declared him ineligible. So now they have a house out in the middle of some random town in Georgia for no reason.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, That's a crazy story. That is a crazy story. Uh, There's crazier stories I've heard, too, that I can't mention because I can't technically produce the evidence to prove it. And they would be incidentally violations and then I could get sued but um yeah there's definitely this crazy is all history. a legend <laughs> um from jf10357 any updates on the 2022 linebacker class seems like it could be a good one i know the top early guys are apparent uh, perkins midlock megwa but has anyone popped recently due to great play during the new season uh marshall harris has been really good but i was told he injured his shoulder and will be out for the year so we're not going to get to see any more of him at the woodlands um Outside of that, you know, the big schools have only been playing a couple of weeks. So we'll see, I think, in three or four weeks when that midseason film drops, like, which guys are really popping.
0: Man, I hate to hear that about Mark I not didn't, I didn't know about that. I really liked his first game tape. I think he had, like, 15 tackles in that first game. So uh, I hate to hear that. Um, another li- A couple of linebackers that have kind of uh, caught my attention. Um, another one also at Cy Park in the same linebacking core as uh, Harold Perkins. Is uh, Owen Peewee. He's a, a 2022 linebacker as well. Um, really strong, really physical. He's already picked up a Houston offer, and um, he actually just like started his Twitter account like two weeks ago. So if you wanna, if he ends up being a big guy, y'all should go follow him on Twitter right now and say, you know, you were one of the first hundred followers because I believe he's at like 85 right now. But uh, that's a kid I really like. He's got really strong tape, um, and he plays really well alongside Harold Perkins. Uh, another one uh, also down in the Houston area, kind of in the same area at Spring. Uh, Braylon Jones is another kid I really like. We saw him at um. Uh, the elite underclassmen camp and Durant over the off season. And he's kind of a kid I've had my eye on for a a while now. I really like that spring program. They have a a ton of good underclassmen right now. Um, They have a really good DB Dorian friend. Um, He's 2022 as well, but yeah, I really like Braylon Jones as another 2022 linebacker um, that I'm liking right now.
1: All right. And our last question from Charles Daniels, who did get his question in on time. Um, He's going to switch up the order this week. Nick, I see you're covering four games this weekend. What are your four or five things that are in your backpack every time you go to cover a game? Also, be honest, do you keep your press pass uh, lanyards? Uh,
0: This is actually kind of uh, funny because I had kind of like a realization a couple of weeks ago that I really don't need a backpack. um, Because I was going to, whenever I went to Mansfield Summit scrimmage against Colleen. Um, they were really stingy at the gate and they told me I couldn't bring my bag in and I was like well that kind of sucks so I went back to my car and I was like well I really only have two things in here I guess it's not that bad I have just my camera and my computer and uh, I'm actually going to start bringing a mic um, you know I might be having some extra time to interview some kids after games so maybe a mic that might be a third thing and uh, I like to have an orange Gatorade and a, a water bottle in there as well um, so I guess those are my four or five things um, and then, uh, what was the second part of that question again?
1: Um, do you keep your press pass lanyards? Like, do you collect them?
0: I do. I actually have a little spot on my wall that I keep my favorite ones at. Um, I have, a let's see, just kind of looking at it right now. Um, the All-American pass from the All-American Bowl last year, um, the opening, uh, I still have, uh, my credential from the Duncanville North Shore game, the crazy one back in, uh, 2018. Um, a Red River pass that uh, I had when wherever I, I covered the game last year, International Bowl from about four or five years ago. So I keep the memorable ones, you know, the i don't really keep every single week i've actually um the shadow creek north shore one. i put around like the windshield wiper knob of my car and it's still there and i keep meaning to bring it in just because that was kind of like a memorable first you know pandemic game i want to put that on the wall just to kind of remember that one so uh, that's another one that's probably going to get added to the collection and if we get a pretty nice little pass for duncanville img if it's like nice and bougie i might put it on the wall we'll see
1: you know it's going to be like that little put this around your wrist pass we got last week
0: yeah yeah i'm gonna be upset but you know maybe, maybe not maybe
1: not um, I will answer that real quick. The four things that I really keep in my bag uh, that are must for me, I keep nowadays, especially hand sanitizer, goes with me, camera, computer, and then chargers. Um, I have like nine chargers in my bag at all times, um, phone charger, computer charger, uh, external charger, all sorts of things. So those are really the biggest. I mean, if it's during the summer, I'll usually have like sunscreen in there as well. Um, but you know, it's it's they're pretty tough on what we can can and can't bring in. Um, and then I don't keep press pass stuff anymore. I used to. I just uh, I didn't want to organize it and do something with it, so I just stopped doing it. And we get like it's. I'll keep lanyards though. Like I I have like three or four opening lanyards because they're good lanyards. And so like when we go to state. Um, you know, they just hand us those, like you get your fistful of passes or whatever. I'll throw the lanyard on and just clip them all onto that so that I don't have to like look for which day is my pass. Um, all right from Mike, who is the worst Texas high school football media mafia member to cover a game with? And if you have to no comment that one. Uh, who is the be- the one recruit you know the most about the recruitment but can't tell us? Uh, the worst is Guy Frazier. I mean, easily. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Guys, a friend, I'm not gonna bet. Ba- I'm not gonna bag on anyone, but there's some ones I don't like to be in a press box with for sure. Um, but I'll no comment it. The guy that I would say, and Nick can attest to this because I know way more than what I've ever said on the subject. But I think. I know like probably more about kamar wheaton than anybody in the world in his recruitment even though he's kind of a, a mystery and um yeah i mean he dropped texas a while ago so the information is kind of useless to me now but um i i know a lot about kamar wheaton's recruitment and there's not a lot i could say right now i could say some stuff later
0: yeah the behind the scenes article the day after signing day that's uh that was one of my favorite pieces last year so maybe that's maybe that's a good time for it
1: yeah you know i gotta start putting um Usually, I start that thing like pretty early. Um, Just kind of start at least like jotting down notes and things like that to kind of come together in the final piece. That whole article took me, I think, three or four days to write in total. I mean, it it was a lot of writing. Um, So I think I wrote, actually, I word counted, I started with Zach Evans, like that was the lead of the story. Like, here's the Zach Evans story. And that alone was like 3,000 words.
0: I think you could I think I think you eliminated some stuff. So you yeah. definitely could have talked more on it.
1: Yeah, so all right, that's gonna do it for the mailbag. We thank you guys for interacting each and every week. Hope you had fun with that. Nick, before we get out of here, anything else you'd like to add?
0: You know, I'm I'm gonna miss the heat game on Friday, but I'm hoping they pull it out and then Sunday night I'll be able to watch it. Um, and I, I really encourage, you know, if there is a game on Sunday night, you know, cut that on maybe at halftime of the Sunday night football game. I know it's football season, but, hey, the NBA finals are on. Got to love the hoops, too.
1: Are you talking to me or the listener?
0: Talking to the listener. I, I know you're a lost yeah,
1: cause. I was like, there's no, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. I've watched one <laughs> basketball game since it came back, and it was – I, I – got the buzz on Luca was about to drop a triple double uh, and go crazy. And it was the game where he hit the game winner on a hard ankle. I turned that one on in the second half. That's it. That's all i watched this year. So that's a good one. Yeah. So that's it for me. Um, all right. We want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for contributing. Uh, thank you for hanging with us. Um, I think the show's more fun now that we're doing this pick'em segment. I, 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 I don't know. It's added a little layer of fun to the thing. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, maybe y'all should um, start sending your picks in too. You know, maybe uh, send it to us on a DM. You know who you got.
1: And, you know, uh, if we could figure out some way to like come up with a, th- I don't know how to do this or like come up with like a survey or something and let people come in. That would be fun. Um,
0: if y'all have ideas, send us a DM. We yeah. And it, check it out.
1: It may be something that we have to like figure out this year and then really put into place next year. But uh, let's, let's take a look and see if we could do that and get the listeners involved in picking high school games with us. All right. Um, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week.